I am here and I am terrified. <laughs> That's my producer, Jennifer McCord. This was during my interview with today's guest, Jessica Shaw. Jessica is the founder and director of Pact Creative Training, a London-based company that runs play-oriented workshops. Jessica was about to lead me and Jennifer through an exercise, which you'll hear a little later on. And we were both feeling a bit of resistance. We'll edit it out. Yeah, I do edit this show. Jen has the power. (laughs) If you've ever participated in a mandatory team activity with your coworkers, this resistance might feel familiar. But as Jessica led us through the activity, she revealed that, weirdly, resistant is the ideal way to feel when you're heading into a play exercise. Because playing isn't just about being silly. It's also about breaking down barriers like our inner perfectionist and our need to be right. Barriers that keep us from really knowing ourselves and from connecting with each other. Hi, I'm Lara Dolch, and you're listening to She Knows the Way, a show about deciding what's next when doing what's expected no longer feels right. I was excited to talk with Jessica about play because for me, play has been a magic ingredient in my career at times. I was lucky enough to work at a game company early in my career where it was literally our job to play games sometimes, and it totally transformed the dynamic I had with my coworkers. But there are plenty of us who would be perfectly happy to never have work and play overlap. Which brings me back to that feeling of grudging participation that Jennifer was feeling at the start of our exercise. I'm actually delighted to hear that in a sense because one of the things which makes play so magic is that initial resistance and reticence. There's a moment of like abject terror or ranging from that to just dauntedness of what are you going to expect of me? And then the reward is all the sweeter. Jessica's methodology is based in improvisational theater. And the exercise she did with us is a classic improv game. It's called Yes And. The only rule is you can't say no because no blocks things. So basically, let's just go back and forth between you. You make a suggestion. The person has to receive it, accept it, and then add something. And you'll notice how it feels to have your crazy suggestion accepted. You know, and and so the idea is that we're making it larger than life, more silly. So Jen, if you're comfortable, make a suggestion for Lara and she's going to accept it and make one back to you a couple of times. Okay, a suggestion. Okay, Um, Lara. Let's find whatever geographical point is in between our states and go on a a hike there. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Love. Yes. And (laughs) while we're on the hike, let's let's eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yes. And uh, let's put whipped cream on top of the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Love it. Yes. And. Okay. You get the idea. In the interest of time. And so, you know, we have our priorities straight. The next several rounds of our suggestions were all about food. And um, let's bring fireworks. Oh, wow. Yes. And let's also make sure that we have a group of people with us who can witness all of this brilliance. Yes. Yeah. Let's bring an audience slash party. Just a trail party. (laughs) Brilliant. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there, but you see how we can go and go and uh, yes. So and once you get past that, I'm not gonna think of anything. Once you've given yourself permission, then anything can happen. Listening back to this, I am a bit mortified, but also kind of charmed by this little trip Jennifer and I dreamed up. And like so much of the good stuff in life, the point of this game is not the game. It's about finding ways to use the moves of the game in your real life. So that can work like as a way of freeing blockages in meetings, because like once you've made ludicrous suggestions, well, then saying, oh, hey, guys, I was thinking we could bring our our meeting forward 15 minutes is, is not so daunting anymore, you know? This intersection of work and play and what happens when people use the tools of play, improv and theater in their real life, it's how Jessica found her way to this work. Like so many of us, Jessica's love for play started early. From a young age, I loved acting and I went to Saturday classes and I thought I wanted to be an actress. And Jessica held on to that dream even as she got older. She enrolled in a theater program at university. But then I realized very quickly, oh, no, I did not want to be an actress. Jessica says she felt disillusioned, like her professors were missing the big picture about what theater can do. I also remember um, two women in the in the year above me did the most incredible piece of theater in which they made a puppet show of two elderly women in like a high rise, a block of flats two women and they were talking and they were there was this kind of big block in the center of the stage and then all of a sudden they had a revelation these two characters and suddenly there was this creaking noise and they the block of flats was pushed out and then there were the two actresses who'd been doing the puppets dressed as the puppets as elderly ladies and they'd made this desert island and it was amazing and innovative and creative and everybody gasped in excitement when we thought we were just going to watch a puppet show and then there they were and it was so original we'd never seen anything like it. But despite the class's reaction... I remember learning that they had had really low marks because they hadn't addressed one specific point that they were supposed to have and I found that really sad. But Jessica stuck with her program and in her second year there, her class was encouraged to study for a term somewhere outside of their university. And everyone wanted to go to London. And we were like, we're from London. You know, we thought we were so cool. And um, as you (laughs) do. Totally. uh, Sorry, I can totally relate to that. Having lived in New York. I'm like, yeah, I live in New York. I must be better than everyone. It's so ridiculous. It's hilarious. (laughs) That kind of the arrogance of youth. Totally. (laughs) So London was obviously off the table. But one day, a lecturer visited who worked at the British Council in Ghana which inspired Jessica and a friend to propose a study abroad there. And somehow it worked. They lived and studied in Ghana for five months. And we were placed in the National Theatre of Ghana and also in the university in Accra, in Legong. And it was just so remarkable to see theatre used, like, practically in communities And even just how the audience were kind of allowed to just call out and relate to the players. And we were like, you know, because we're from England, like, you know, you can't even rustle a packet, you know, just you'll be out. And just noticing how how ingrained that is in us, you know, it's like being good and quiet. And actually there they want you to call out and and just learning that our own concepts are so narrow and that other people have different ones and one isn't necessarily right. 
Jessica also got the opportunity to see a piece of theater there that blew up her entire understanding of what performance can do. We were taken to see the touring theater company. So they would be invited to certain rural areas and there would be like an issue to resolve in, in a small community. And it might be something like um, there's an opportunity for a well to be moved from where it's always been to a source which is cleaner and more accessible to the whole village. But there's resistance because this is where it's always been and there's certain belief systems around why it's been there. And so the players would listen and then they would devise a piece of theatre which also involves incredible music, you know, and drumming. So it's such just talent, you know, and, um, and they would show the dilemma and then the village would come together and as a result of that, and they would take this play seriously and they would debate and they would decide together what they would do. Are they going to move the well, for example, or are they going to keep it where it is and make it work? And I think the thing that I took from it as a sort of young, very cynical young woman who, I mean, my friend and I were just like, people used to hate watching TV with us because we were just analysing and criticising and, you know, like, and it was just so uh, earnest in the best possible way and just a demonstration of what non-judgmental is, that it was impartial, like, here's the issue and here's what's facing the people and there wasn't a kind of, and let's try and persuade them for their own good one way or another. And I just found that absolutely amazing. This performance, created to help the town make a decision, helped Jessica make one too. I was like, that's what I want to do. I love drama and I love the performing arts. And this could actually like, help people and not in that this is wrong and this is right and one is like power over. It was so democratic and it was so rousing and it was a real force for change where I was like my goodness I don't want to be an actor I want to use theatre to get people in the guts and help them to make choices for themselves whether I agree with them or not is irrelevant it's not about that it's like making people agents agents of their own change and have agency we're going to take a quick break when we come back we'll hear about the benefits Jessica has seen from using this approach in her work and how play might save your tense family dinner. Hey there, it's Laura. Wanted to quickly pop in to let you know how much I appreciate your being here. I know there are a million podcasts you could be listening to, and I'm so glad you're spending time with us. If you're finding value in the show, we'd be grateful if you supported it by buying us a coffee. That's right. It couldn't be simpler. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash she knows the way to support our work for the price of a cup of coffee. That's buymeacoffee.com slash she knows the way. And thanks. Welcome back. When we left Jessica, she had just watched a collaborative civic performance in Ghana that shifted her entire vision for her life. From there, Jessica finished university and then landed a job as a workshop facilitator. Over the years, as she worked for different organizations, she led drama-based workshops for incarcerated people, for young women, and for kids. And in each of these settings, Jessica used play to help her participants have conversations about big topics, things like parenting and health. 
I just had a passion for it because I could see how the arts and drama and poetry and music is a way of expressing themselves, a way of making decisions, a way of opening little mind doors about other ways of being other than our current reality. Then in 2016, Jessica founded Pact Creative Trading. Just so you know, the letters in Pact stand for Play, Act, Create, Transform. With Pact, Jessica brings play into the workplace, which, as I mentioned earlier, can feel like an odd place for play. But right before I interviewed Jessica, I had this thing happen where I realized it's not just work that can make us push away play. It's the general condition of being an adult trying to get things done in the world. I, before we just hopped on for this call, I went for a quick walk outside because it's beautiful here in Seattle and the leaves are changing and it's just gorgeous. And I walked out my door and I had a a sort of a general idea of where I was going to go and just take a quick loop. So I, I started going up the hill where I had intended to go. And my body was like, no, you need to go left. Mm. Like it was tugging me. So I kept going like another half block and, and it kept getting stronger. I was like, what is going on? I was like, fine. So I literally turned around in the middle of block, went back down the hill and went the direction that it was tugging me in. And sure enough, at the end of that block, there was this cat that is a neighborhood cat that I adore. Mm. And there she was like, you know, hanging out. And we had a nice little chat and it was, it felt like play to me is my point in telling you this. And I resisted it. Right. I was like, no, no, I have a plan. I'm going to go here. But the cat wanted to hang out Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I wanted to hang out with the cat because I love her. So anyway, I'm just sharing that because I wonder if it brings anything up for you around that idea of that resistance, that natural resistance that we have and its relationship to perfectionism. Wow. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it makes me think about um, that kind of parallel process of instinct versus like what we think should happen and how the brain is so amazing and so capable, but it kind of wants to always take over. And yet a lot of where the magic happens is when we can find that balance between instinct and utilizing our mind, you know, for its cleverness and its spontaneity and not just kind of, no, I set my mind to go here, like you described, but you had this strong instinct. And actually, when you followed the instinct, you found great joy and satisfaction. Yes. And and a lot of what I observe in play is this parallel process that on one level, you know, when you observe it in children, it's just fun. And we kind of look down on something just being fun. But there's also so much learning and so much kind of richness to those processes. And yeah. And the idea that that what's coming up for me as you're saying that is this it created this sense of wonder Mm -hmm. for me. In fact, I'd love for you to speak a little bit to that, like for people who are looking for concrete benefits. Like, can you tell us a little bit about how you personally have experienced the benefits of play in your work? Absolutely. In terms of outcomes, integrating, supporting people to feel more confident. Um, There's something about in meetings where people have this kind of specter of what if I get it wrong in front of my colleagues and what's the right thing to say. And that inhibits actually coming up with ideas. And I'll bring games where we take the idea to its extreme. Let's take an idea to its most ridiculous extreme. You know, you can't get that wrong. As long as you don't insult anyone, you can't get it wrong. And you see people visibly relaxed. Um, I've been reflecting a lot about 
emotional fitness and how similar it is to physical fitness. I think they're very similar. There's a deep parallel. So, for example, when we commit to becoming physically fit, we commit to a, a practice, a regular practice in which we are consistently working on something. And what happens is we still get out of breath. Our heart rate still goes up. But what happens with when we're fit is that we recover quicker. And I think it's the same for emotional fitness, that when we find a, a practice, and I think joy and, and wonder really help with that, when we cultivate that and we practice it, it's not that we won't become flustered or impacted by the things that happen, but perhaps we'll come back to our, our inner strength quicker. Another perhaps surprising benefit of play, it can actually make your work time more efficient. Stuart Brown, who's like the, the god of play, um, that he's the head of the Institute of Play in the States. And there's a quote, I, it's not exactly this, but it's talking about the idea of what's perceived as frivolous actually making us massively more productive. That's what I love, is this sense that actually an hour of engaging in that particular way in something that's quite joyful can then be fed into all areas of our life. And it's refreshing and and. Once we've actually supported ourselves in that way and recharged, then we can face the challenges with perhaps they won't feel so challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Can you talk a little bit about how that might be um, outside of a work setting? Like how has that kind of exercise showed up on a personal level or can it? Yes. It's just a, a way of leveling people. It's also lovely on an intergenerational way. A colleague of mine, we were in touch about a collaborative piece of work on Zoom during the lockdown. And I taught her not that game, but a different game of a similar type. The next time we spoke, she said, Jess, I have to tell you, we had my parents over and she has young kids. And she said there was just this awkward moment on Zoom where the kids don't really want to sit there. And the grandparents would really love to connect with the kids. And she said, oh, I remembered your game. And we played it. And she said, what a leveler. And we all got into it. So it wasn't like, oh, the kids are enjoying it, but the adults are kind of you know, not or vice versa. And there was just this idea of what a level playing field play can bring. You know, it brings us into the present moment and that's all we're doing in that time. And I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm thinking, you know, as the holidays are coming up that, you know, with families gathering, hopefully Mm -hmm. this year in a way that they weren't able to last year, I can imagine some tense moments at the Thanksgiving table here mm. in the U.S. and, you know, potentially Christmas feasts all over the world where that is celebrated. And yes. <laughs> maybe this is a way to bring it down a notch, bring the tension down a notch. Sure. I've experienced it time and again that if you can really connect with someone, if you can laugh together, there's something about it which reminds us, oh, well, you know, we've got more in common than we have in difference and there's something more than just our choices and opinions uh, on the table. And I think it really brings us into the moment and together as, as people rather than our identity, you know, whether whatever that is. Yeah. And I, I think that's really powerful. One of the things that, that came up when we were talking about this idea of play is the definition of play. Like, you know, for some people, one thing feels like play, doesn't feel like play to someone else. You know, how do we sort of broaden that definition and make it feel good for everyone? Like, how do people tune into what, Mm. or how, let me, let me ask this differently. How do you tune into what makes you feel playful? Mm, Great question. I think it's something about 
having an honest dialogue with ourselves. And you mentioned wonder. I think it's about cultivating, developing a kind practice of finding out what brings wonder and joy to us. And that's different for everyone and that's okay. And when you think about joy, where do you feel it? When you remember the last time you really laughed, what happens in your body? And, you know, I can almost feel the mirth kind of rising in me, even just thinking about, you know, the last time you, I really just could not stop laughing. Jessica says the last time she couldn't stop laughing was during a game of Cards Against Humanity. There's like a kid version, which is still quite outrageous. And a lot of it is, you know, it's okay. And there's some like poo fart humor. And then there are a couple where it's so surprising, you know, like when you watch a comedy stand up. In fact, I remember it. I mean, it seems silly now, but a couple of us just literally lost it. And my daughter was looking at me because I was like howling and banging the table, you know. (laughs) But it's like, there's nothing like that feeling. Yeah. And how do you create more moments like that? That's the question that's coming up for me is like once you figure that out how do you create more moments like that and I think that that's that's something that I personally struggle with like I'm mm-hmm. I know the things that bring me joy I'm not very good at adding more of them into my life yes I think it's a gentle practice I think for women I mean thinking about you know all those rules we put on ourselves that we kind of feel like we can fix things and get things right and that kind of get a handle on everything and cover all the bases and and maybe there's something about the first step is that full stop technique, as I call it, and going, okay, I feel like controlling everything. Okay, okay. Somehow there's this thing of accepting what works for you. So, for example, maybe maybe you are competitive and driven and you need goals and I'm not. So for me, I know I need to set myself a gentle intention. Like I would like to do regular exercise. I can't exercise how I used to, but I know I can do 10 minutes a day right? And then maybe I'm going to do more. And other people are like, no, three times a week. This is how I do. So it's first working out like what works for you in terms of your inner dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, you're reminding me of, you know, the same thing that I have over the years shared with coaching clients. Like it doesn't have to be a big dramatic change. In Mm -hmm. fact, it probably shouldn't be because to your point, it's not sustainable. And, and, you know, nothing is too small, you know, as as it relates to whether it's bringing play into your life, bringing exercise into your life, starting to eat more healthfully, whatever, whatever it is, nothing is too small. And I think that's where people get hung up. It's like these big grand changes that they think they have to make. Yeah. And it's another goal. It's like people, like there's a bit of a thing about these um, watches you get that tell you if you slept well, And then there's been a bit of a backlash saying, like, you don't need to ask something else if you slept well. How do you feel? You know, and and then you become nervous. Did I sleep well? But the the watch says I didn't sleep well, you know, and it (laughs) becomes and it's like taking us out of ourselves. And it doesn't have to be what everybody else loves. You know, maybe you love, you know, throwing stones at cans and love the sound of it, you know, whatever it is. And there's something about the acceptance and the full stop of that's that's how it is. It's whatever sparks that little cheeky, playful joyfulness, even just for a moment. Um, I love those human interactions when you go into sort of shops and they're often like really local, not big ones. And the guy will have a chat and then the guy lets you off like a penny or I nearly cry when that happens. But it's beautiful. (laughs) It's like, you know, there's something about seeking out what makes you joyful. And it it doesn't have to be momentous. It can be those teeny things like uh, the shape of a leaf or 
whatever floats your boat kind of yeah. you know or the neighborhood cat at the base of the stairs the neighborhood you know. cat <laughs> of course jessica's path was always going to include play but what has stuck with me since our conversation is that jessica has also been able to use play to navigate her career in a way that's resonant and right for her so my invitation to you this week go play I'm quite serious about this. Find out what sparks, in Jessica's words, your little cheeky, playful joy. Maybe throwing stones at trash cans is your thing. Or maybe staying alert for an invitation from a neighborhood pet will bring you as much joy as it did me. Thanks, Josie the cat. Or if you're celebrating Thanksgiving in the U.S., you might even try using play to diffuse family drama at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Whatever you try, we want to hear about it. Send us an email or voice memo at hello at laradolch.com. Special thanks to Jessica Shaw for speaking with us for this episode. If you'd like to connect with Jessica or learn more about PACT, you can find her on LinkedIn or on her website at pactcreative.com. She Knows the Way will be back with another episode in two weeks. We'll hear from Odessa Jenkins, the founder and CEO of the Women's National Football Conference, about how leading with your purpose can help you find your people and your power. It's just like when you're trying to fundraise or do anything else that you have had no access to. You don't know how. Your plan has to be built on what you think and what your goal is. And then you learn along the way. And I think as women, in a lot of cases, we don't start because we don't see the plan that gets us to the other side of the door. And all I care about is getting to the other side of the door. And I'll figure it out along the way. This episode of She Knows the Way was produced by Jennifer McCord and me, Lara Dolch. For more episodes, hit subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to stay in touch, follow me on Instagram at at Dolch. And sign up for our newsletter at lauradolch.com slash podcast or by clicking the link in the episode notes. If you're finding value in the show, leave us a review by visiting ratethispodcast.com slash she knows the way. It helps us out a lot and it helps other people find the show. We would love to get to 100 or more reviews on Apple Podcasts by the end of the year. We're at 92 right now. So close. So please take a few minutes now to visit ratethispodcast.com slash she knows the way. It'll walk you through how to leave a review on your preferred listening app, including Apple Podcasts. Finally, if there's someone in your life who's going through a job or life change, or even considering one, please send an episode their way. Word of mouth recommendations from listeners is one of the best ways to help the show grow. So thanks. Until next time, trust that you know the way. <laughs>